Hello, and welcome to One Single Thought, the podcast where two Christian single women take theological deep dives and bring perspectives on life, mixed with levity and joy. Heather, welcome to episode 30. Can you believe this is the 30th episode? I cannot believe it. I can't either. We've come a long way, baby, as that old commercial used to say. (laughs) So, Heather, when you were young, I know you and I both grew up in the Southern Baptist world. Were you ever a girl in action, a GA? I was a GA. What do you remember about GAs? Did you love GAs or did you hate GAs? Uh, (laughs) I think I probably liked it when I was really little. That was Mission Friends. Yeah, Mission Friends and then GAs. But I think I had kind of lost interest after a while. But I do remember eating. We Sometimes we would have food from around the world. Yes. Yes. I do remember that. That was one of my favorite things, to mm-hmm. eat the weird food from around the world. Mm-hmm. And after GAs, there was there was Actines for the older girls, but we didn't we didn't have that. When we I got to either. that age, they did mm-hmm. away with it. So I was really bummed about that. But good old GAs, RAs, Royal Ambassadors for the Boys, Girls in Action for the Girls. And for those of you that are not Southern Baptists, those little groups and things that we did at that age were all for teaching young kids about missions and what it would mean to be a missionary. We, we learned about Lottie Moon, who was a missionary in China, and we learned about Annie Armstrong, who was started the WME, which is the Women's Missionary Union with the Southern Baptist Convention, and she ministered to the minorities and people in the Baltimore area where she was born. So we learned what it meant to be a missionary. So that leads us into today's topic, which is one of our good characteristics of a healthy church. So Heather, why don't you talk to us about what our topic is today and why we chose it? So as we mentioned before, we've done this irregular series over the last several months that we based on our interview with Dr. Bill Cook that we had back in November of last year. In that interview, he talked about some characteristics of a healthy church. In a Ninth and No Baptist church where we go, um, we have four that we focus on, which are truth, community, missions, and worship. And we've already talked about truth and community, and I cannot remember off the top of my head what episode numbers those were. I'll put links in the show notes. Yeah, so if you would like to go back and listen to those. They were really good. Yeah, they were good. And one was with Melanie, Mm -hmm. our friend Melanie. She talked about community with us. And so today we are going to talk about missions, the the third characteristic, and that goes hand in hand with evangelism. You can't have one without the other. And so what does that look like? We, we're going to talk about what that looks like for members of a local church and the church universal. So we're going to unpack missions for everyday people like us. That's right. Yes. So our one single thought today is your missionary you're a missionary. Rose, what is our biblical basis for missions? We always like to start with the Bible because when we're talking about a characteristic and core value of a church, it should always be based on the Bible. And so we usually when we think about missions, we think about evangelism and our command to do that. We think about a passage in Matthew that's known as the Great Commission. And I will read it here shortly, but this is Jesus' parting words to the remaining 11 disciples that he gave them. And this is really kind of our basis for missions being a a key and vital part Mm. 
of the local church. So the passage I'm going to read is Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So this passage, Jesus is telling the disciples that to, is commanding them to go and make disciples of all nations. And so this is the passage, I think, that we, we look to as our charge for missions in mm -hmm. the church and as, as believers. And so I want to read another passage out of Romans. So Paul wrote in the book of Romans an interesting passage that I think also is a commandment of why we should be sharing the gospel and, and mm -hmm. going. I'm going to read Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 15. And it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then Paul leads into in verse 14, How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Mm -hmm. And we know good news means, that's what the gospel means, good news. And so we see here that Paul <laughs> encouraged us in Romans mm -hmm. that it's our responsibility to share the gospel. We have been given the, the good news of the gospel. And so when he, he leads in by talking about you know, being saved through the gospel, then he commands us, we need to go. How are they going to hear if we don't tell them, if we don't carry that news? And so when you go to scripture, you see pretty clearly that missions and sharing the gospel is very important as a believer and as a body of believers in the church. So Heather, now that we know what the Bible commands, let's define what missions and evangelism means for the average church member like you and me. Well, I want to start with the etymology, Ooh. etymology of we love these, etymology of these two words. Well, of the word missions, mm -hmm. and it is derived from Latin. And I'm not going to attempt to pronounce Latin or Greek. <laughs> I, mean, I probably could do Latin, but I'm not going to do it. Um, but it comes from a Latin word meaning to send. Uh, mission does, and it is closely related to the Greek the ancient Greek word for apostle, which apostle is, is one who is sent out or is a messenger. So they're closely related to each other. So when you talk about a missionary and an apostle in the very basic sense, they mean the same thing. You have the big A apostles like Paul and Peter, but just in a general term of an apostle, it is a person who is sent out um, from in the New Testament, that was somebody that was sent out to do to carry out a mission, the mission of sharing the gospel. And so that is what that means on the basic level is what a missionary is one who is sent out. And we, we can be on mission for a bunch of different things, not just the gospel, but we go on missions to find our keys or <laughs> uh, we have missions where the military has to go out and reconnaissance missions and we have honor honor flight has a mission we take a mission twice a year so we've got yeah. missions um, can be that term mission can be uh -huh. used for anything and we all know that but um from a biblical perspective a missionary or the one that goes on mission is someone who is going out to share the gospel 
And we tend to think traditionally, we think of a missionary as one who actually leaves their home, leaves their hometown and goes away, who goes to another town or goes across the world to live among the people for a certain period of time, whether it be for a couple of weeks or for years and to bring the gospel to those people. So when we, in the, in the local church, we talk about missionaries, um, especially if you're Southern Baptist and the Southern Baptist convention is very mission minded traditionally for years. That's what you were talking about with the Lottie moon and Mm -hmm. Annie Armstrong with the, the offerings we have around Christmas and Easter, remembering those ladies upholding the purpose that as a, as an evangelical, which is another word evangelical, mm-hmm. one of our purposes as an evangelical denomination and an evangelical church is to go out and share the gospel with the world. And so our focus over the decades has been on sending out people mm-hmm. away from a local church to go out and either on short-term mission trips or long-term missionaries who are going to go live somewhere else. We put in a lot of money and effort and, and training into that and making sure that the people know what they're doing and all of that. In our church, we have mission trips. We go on mission trips every year. We, we plan a few. We'll go to different countries or we'll go locally. We, I think we had a group that went to St. Louis yep. not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And so... A lot of people will go out and and do those trips, and we have people that we've sent out from Ninth and O who have actually gone to other countries and now live there permanently and have established themselves in those countries. But for a lot of people in the local church, you and I are two examples of this, we don't typically go away Mm -hmm. to do mission trips unless you do one with your, you know, do a short-term trip for a week or something Mm -hmm. with with a group from your church, but many people don't, don't do those. Mm-hmm. Rose, I know that you have had, um, because of all your, your health issues, <laughs> yes. it's just not something that's easy for you to mm-hmm. pick up and go across the world to go on a trip mm-hmm. and to be a traditional missionary or the, the missionary in the terms that we understand it. So for someone who hasn't been a traditional missionary, mm-hmm. how have you been able to participate in missions? Cause I think a lot of people, would want to know that mm-hmm. because maybe they don't have the finances to pay for a trip to put towards a trip or they are not physically capable what do they do right missions is one of the core values of our church one of our pillars strengths of our church and i'll start by saying uh, there's something that our church does and many like traditional baptist churches take up offering for lottie moon and for annie armstrong and that goes to the international missions or North American missions, our church does what we call a Great Commission offering. And so, Mm -hmm. of course, tied to the Great Commission, we collect offering above and beyond what you would normally give the church from Christmas to Easter. Mm -hmm. And all that we collect goes to both Lottie Moon, Annie Armstrong, as well as other mission organizations as a church we sponsor but it also goes for like mission trip scholarships for people that want to go on mission trips and they mm-hmm. can't afford to pay the full amount or any of the amount. So one way that I've been able to contribute is being able to give to that Great Commission offering. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how much you give because it all adds up. I believe 
we were we were over a hundred thousand dollars this past great commission offering season and so that's one way is that you can if you do have the financial resources that you can help someone else go i would say that for me and as heather mentioned with all my health issues i've and throughout my whole life i've just had physical limitations so i couldn't go on mission trips that were physical in nature, like mm -hmm. hard labor internationally, just because of my health, it was, wouldn't have been optimal to go. I've been very limited in not being able to do that. But when I was working full time, my mission trip was VBS. So I always took a week, the week of VBS off from work as vacation and I would work VBS. Now listen, if you've never worked VBS, that's killer. <laughs> it will wear you out. It's, mm -hmm. as, it's, it's pretty intense, but it is, in my mind, it's a mission opportunity because you have a lot of kids there who don't know Jesus and they're hearing the gospel every day. And many, many kids come to know Jesus through VBS. That was one way that I was, I was a missionary. Mm. But just in everyday life now, and, and I would say, Heather, you would agree with this. We're just a missionary wherever we are. Yeah. So you're, if you work a job every day, you're a missionary on that job. Yeah. If you are, are working side by side with people, I remember our our missions pastor, Blake Green, when he was in seminary, worked at Red Lobster. And we mm -hmm. had more people visit our church from <laughs> Red Lobster mm -hmm. because he was a server and he shared the gospel with them and they would come. So wherever you are, whether you're serving tables or whether you're in a nine to five office job, you have an opportunity to make an impact. And we talked about this in the, the episode on working in corporate America that, you know, you have to do it with wise, you mm -hmm. have to approach it wisely, but that's where you can be a missionary. In my world, it's not even just, I'm not working right now and I'm working, but I'm working on things that I don't have me around the mm -hmm. office staff. But another way is I am around doctors or nurses or therapists for rehab or whatever um, other people that I'm around medically, I'm able to be a light in a dark world. So really, no matter what you do, even if you never officially take a mission trip or officially say, I've been called to be a missionary, because the people who do end up going either internationally or domestically and living as a missionary, that's a calling. And not mm -hmm. everybody has that, that actual specific calling. You're still a missionary. And when I was in rehab at the beginning of my health journey in 2019, 2020, actually, I got to pray with one of my aides to receive Christ. Yeah. And that was huge. In fact, it was the day before ever the world shut down. <laughs> and I felt like, great, now I've done, now we've done this and Satan's mad. So I don't have visitors anymore. But, but God is in control. That's right. God is in control. And so I never pushed Jesus on her. I just lived out the gospel laying in my bed. I couldn't do anything else. And I was able to share with her. And when she came in one Sunday morning and said, I want to, I want to know Jesus. I want to follow God. And I questioned her. I'm like, you mean you want to, you want to follow Jesus? You want to, you know, yes, that's what I want to do. And it was a sweet moment. And that's being a missionary. Mm -hmm. and, and literally folks, I was bedridden at the time. So you don't even have mm -hmm. to have the ability to physically do anything. If you can talk, you can share the gospel. Mm -hmm. So Heather, what are some misconceptions that people have around missions and evangelism? Well, you kind of talked about this, but 
we have a certain way we look at the word when we hear the word missionary you tend to have a picture in your head of someone who is going overseas to places like china or africa or something like that they're going overseas going away far away to bring god's word to people who've never heard about it which is certainly the case for a lot of people mm -hmm. and then people even go across the country to do that but we tend to think well like as you were saying, we, we, we don't realize that we, in our everyday lives, in our jobs, in our circumstances, that we are missionaries. Mm -hmm. As if you're a follower of Christ, you're a missionary. We are told to share the gospel. You read some passages where we're told, and there's other ones out there that we, you know, where it says very clear that we are to go out and share Christ with others. Being a missionary is not just limited to a trip or a type of career. It is a calling on all of us as followers of Christ. So at some level, we're all going to be missionaries. So even if you're laying in a hospital bed or if you're at a home with a bunch of hoodlum children and <laughs> there's the only people you interact with all day, you are Christ to them. You're sharing the gospel with your children. So you have opportunities all over the place to share the gospel and how you're going to be sent out will look different. So Heather, you were talking about if you're stuck at home with a hoodlum of kids. Mm -hmm. So do you think that makes mothers missionaries to their children? I've always thought of it that way. Yeah. 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 Parents. I think so too. Mm -hmm. Because they're, you're around them. Mm -hmm. You're their biggest influence. And yeah. you have the a wide open opportunity to instill that in them at a young age. For sure. Another misconception is that missions is a continual spiritual high. So mm -hmm. if you actually do go on a trip for a week, or if you actually transplant over overseas, especially those people, because I know a lot of people in college who glamorized being a missionary, and when they went overseas, it was very hard. Mm. So we tend to think, oh, well, I'm going to be a missionary and I'm going to go over this, go overseas to a country and live with a tribe and hundreds of people will come to know Jesus and I'm going to be completely fulfilled and changed and I'm going to come back and I'm going to be very spiritual and, and very wise and I'm going to have all these experiences to share with people. You might have those experiences, but you might not. And a lot of being a missionary is doing life. And I, I did summer missions when I was in college. I was in North Dakota for two months a summer. And it was really difficult because I, I was one of those kids who idealized being a missionary and going out to help a church that needed assistance um, because they were a young church plant and they needed help bringing people in. But that area of the country is not very receptive to evangelicals. They're a very highly Lutheran area, and mm -hmm. they're very skeptical of outsiders where we were. Mm -hmm. So it was really hard to get people interested in just talking to us. It was a really difficult summer because we felt, my, my missions partner and I felt really like we had been, you know, we had failed because we we were hearing these testimonies from other college kids who were going different places, and they were having these amazing experiences and leading people to Christ and all these things. And we're like, you know, we're sharing a bedroom and a house with a family with two little boys and it's, we're not getting much sleep because the kids are crazy and we're having to share a bathroom with two boys. 
and we're eating junk food all the time because, you know, the family doesn't cook very much. And so it was just really difficult and it was way not what I expected. And when I came back, I was depressed mm, because mm. I'm like, I was expecting the spiritual high and I don't have it and I don't know what's wrong with me and all of this stuff. But it was, it was just because I had made missions, quote unquote, into this thing mm-hmm. on the spiritual experience. And I didn't have that or I didn't have what I thought I was going to have. Rose, I know you've known some people, you know, you have friends who live overseas and so for someone who might feel called to full-time missions, um, specifically if they want to go to another country, what are some things to be aware of that they may not realize? Missionaries actually live pretty everyday normal lives in their communities. And I think kind of jump off what you said, Heather, when mm-hmm. you went on your, was it two month mm-hmm. stint in North Dakota, you know, they're not going in just seeing souls saved every day yeah. a lot of times it's it's really hard work and they're just they go somewhere and they get a job mm-hmm. and then they do missions while they're there i have a friend who's a full-time missionary and i won't mention her name and she currently is serving in hong kong and hong kong is uh, an open country and what that means in missionary lingo is that the country is the government allows you to worship however you wish. And in fact, this person serves at a Baptist church there in Hong Kong. That's what her kind of her job is. So she can openly be a missionary. But in years previous, she has been in a closed country. And in a closed country, it's where the government blocks you from worship. You have to worship the way the government indicates that you should and the way they govern. So you can't openly share the gospel. So in those situations, she would go to those countries with another job. So for example, she might be a teacher or she Mm -hmm. might work for a business or whatever that might be. And so she couldn't talk openly about uh, her faith. She had to be very undercover, if you will. Mm -hmm. So when you, if you feel called to be in mission, full-time missions, because sometimes, you know, you might feel that that is your calling. And I think that you really have to pray to discern if that truly is what you want to do because it is a specific calling and like Heather shared in her two-month stint it's not going to be something that you're going to maybe see uh, harvesting every day you're not going to see fruits of your labor every day it it just seemed very slow I didn't realize how slow Mm -hmm. things go when you're a missionary but I think that's that's the point is that you're just doing life and I think You know, when you go on a mission trip, you kind of, you have to condense everything because Mm -hmm. you have to get it done in a certain time period, especially if you go on a longer term mission trip for two months or a couple of years, or if you are going to go live somewhere, it's going to be really slow Mm -hmm. and you're going to have a lot of downtime and a lot of down days and you're going to have bad days and days when you're not feeling great emotionally or spiritually. And um, your friend would say that she's had good and bad days and just days Mm -hmm. when she's trying to take care of normal stuff like going to doctors and yes all those things and in some cases if you're in a country or a location where things aren't easy i mean she's lived in rural areas before where it's not very westernized you can't get certain things our class has adopted her at church and so Mm -hmm. we we would send her care packages of just basic things like packets of dream whip or Mm -hmm. boxes of raisin bran things she can't couldn't get there where she lives now in Hong Kong, she can get a, most everything. It's much more westernized. 
and her life's pretty busy there but it's it's a little i wouldn't mm. want to say it's easier because it's not it's all it's very chaotic and very busy but what i think makes it a little easier is that she's not being watched um, when she's sharing the gospel but keep in mind if you go somewhere and it and it does get tough and it does get hard i know that this friend of mine would often take a day out of the week and spend mm -hmm. it fasting and praying just to keep herself focused on the lord and it's not for the person who isn't disciplined to fill themselves spiritually with because a lot of times they might be on the field by themselves but they might be on a in a close country where it's very tough and so I think the point that Heather and I are trying to make is that missions can be done anywhere and missions doesn't always just look like a person serving in a foreign country, but we do need those people that are willing to surrender their, their lives to the mm -hmm. mission field. You really have to be committed to the Lord and know that that's your calling. Uh, so it's not, it's not for the faint of heart would be what I would say. Yeah. So let's switch gears a little bit, Heather. We know along with, with missions, I mean, part of what we do is being a missionary every day is sharing our faith. And so we probably have a lot of people that are unsure how to do that. So can you share some easy methods they could use or how to actually share their faith? Well, I will speak as a person who is introverted and shy, yeah. both. <laughs> so, um, and even if you aren't, sharing your faith is not easy. It's I don't not think. easy. Well, first and foremost, no matter whether you're shy or not, the first thing to do is to make sure that you understand the gospel. And you'd be surprised at how many Christians can't articulate it. And we all have our moments. But I think, you know, first of all, if you can't speak the gospel, if you don't understand it, then you need to figure out where you stand with the Lord, first of all, because you might not know what it means to be a Christian. So first of all, make sure you understand the gospel. Memorize some verses I wouldn't, I don't like to necessarily stick to a formula, which I've used before. I have used different plans and tracks and stuff with people, but I think it's just good to make sure you memorize the key passages in the New Testament about what it means to be saved. And the Romans road is one, you can Google that, or you can link it, Rose. Yes, I'll do um, that. Mm -hmm. That's a good one to have because it goes step by step on if so if you're talking to somebody, but instead of like a method necessarily, I, I mean, I've done different things. I've when I was in seminary, there was a group of us every Saturday went out to do street evangelism. And we also partnered with local churches to do door-to-door -door surveys and stuff, which terrified me every yes. week. I <laughs> dreaded it. <laughs> but I I kept doing it because I don't, there might have been some obligation there on my part, like a sense of obligation. But I think I also knew it was good for me and it was... I felt like I was being obedient because I was not around a lot of lost people in my life at that time. And it was a way for me to, to get out of my comfort zone and to, to go talk to lost people. And I'll be honest with you, I think I might have prayed to maybe one or two people in the four years we did it to receive Jesus. And I don't honest, I honestly don't know if it was effective. I don't know, right. but there's no way to know mm -hmm. if they, you know, if there's any discipleship there afterwards, because we mm -hmm. would hand it over to the uh, churches and those, those groups to help take over. But personally, and it's different for everybody and I'm not knocking street evangelism and stranger evangelism, because I think there's a time and place for that where you go up to a random person and 
if you are actually working for the IMB, the International Mission Board with Southern Baptist Convention, you actually are required to do uh, evangelism as part yes. of your employment, yes. part of your employment. You're required to share the gospel actively with people. Yes. Uh, if you work for the IMB, which my friend does, you have to submit reports weekly and talk about how, mm -hmm. you know, when you shared the gospel. Yeah. Um, who you shared it with. And that's really what her days consist of is figuring out where mm -hmm. can I go today? If she's not doing something specific for the church she's working with, mm -hmm. where can I go today to share the gospel? They also prayer walk a lot mm -hmm. as well. That's yeah. a big component of where every place mm -hmm. she's been. They've done a lot of prayer walking on campuses and things of that nature. Yeah. But don't you think Heather too, that our day and age is so different than it was when, street evangelism when we were younger and yeah. that was kind of a big deal like now it's almost unheard yeah. of I well think. and you yeah i mean you it's harder to trust strangers these days yeah. but then also there's so many wacky ideologies out there mm -hmm. um, and so many people that are afraid to talk to, to people they don't know so for me i think the most effective evangelism methods have been just building relationships with the lost people in my life and growing those over time and then speaking clearly speaking the gospel to them when the time was right praying for opportunities it can be a cop-out at some point if you just say oh, i'm just gonna build a relationship and then you never share with them that's not getting you off the hook it's just you have to build a level of trust there where that person's really going to open up to you i mean there's a couple people that i've shared with that i didn't get to that point for a couple of years after I met them because it just wasn't the right time. Some of those were, you know, with coworkers and things like that, where you, you can't really just go up to them and say, Hey, do you know about Jesus? Let me share with you, but just pray, pray for divine appointments, pray for people to come in your life that, or maybe pray when you're about to go out and buy groceries or to go pick up the kids from school or run errands, whatever. Pray that you'll come across somebody in your path today that will need to hear the gospel and maybe a conversation will come up. I tend to do better with those, but that also means you have to be ready. So knowing the Bible, knowing scripture, knowing the gospel, it's important because then you're ready to share when it's time um, and you're not missing, missing the ball when it's tossed to you. And that said, there is a tactic of evangelism method that I have not used, but I think it's pretty cool. It's called the Columbo tactic, and it was created by a guy named Greg Kokel, and he is at standtoreason.org. It's str.org. You can link I that. I can link that, yes. And he wrote a book called Tactics, and he goes through it. It's called the Columbo tactic. And if you know the, the TV show Columbo, which I was very young when it was still on, yes. so... So Columbo, it, for those of you that don't know, was a show where Columbo was a police detective and he was out to crack the case of who did it and all that stuff. And he was, he was well known for the, he always wore a, a raincoat and he was just, he was kind of a quirky guy. And so this method is named after him. Greg Kokel, to the author of this book, Tactics, he came up with the Columbo tactic. And essentially, it's, it's based off Columbo and how he would, at the end, when he's about to get the bad guy, he will say, can I ask you a question? Mm -hmm. That's usually when he turns it on its head and the 
bad guy is called out and they arrest him. So he bases this on, and I guess there's like a counseling method behind this because if you've ever been to counseling, mm -hmm. the counselor doesn't really tell you. They just ask you a bunch of questions. Right. And so really what's going on is the, it's putting you in the driver's seat of the conversation, leading you, leading the conversation where you want it to go, but you're putting the responsibility of talking on the person you're talking to. So mm -hmm. his example, one of the examples he gave was he was somewhere and he saw a lady with a pentagram around her neck and he asked her about the necklace and if it had a significance for her, a spiritual significance. And she said, yes, she was pagan. She was a witch. And so he just kept asking her questions. And the, the first question you ask in general is a form of the question, quote, what do you mean by that? He basically took that a little tidbit of information he got by seeing her necklace and what she said about it and then began building on that, asking questions. And I think there's five questions he builds off of on that, that process. Another question he would ask is, how do you come to, how did you come to that conclusion? So a lot of times what will happen is you start asking people questions. They start talking about what they say they believe. And it turns out they don't even know why they believe it or they don't understand what it means. Mm -hmm. And so what it's doing is you're learning all about them, but it's also opening doors for you to speak truth, even though you may not understand everything. You may not know everything. You may not know all the scripture. You may not mm -hmm. know all the answers because there's so many things we don't know mm -hmm. about God. We know right. what's in scripture, but there's things beyond us. And But you don't have to know all those things. But even if you did just outright, it's like, here's how to be saved. Mm -hmm. And then they have a question that you can't answer. You can still say, you know what, let's look at this together and open the Bible or go ask another Christian, like, I'm going to come back and get, get an answer mm -hmm. for you and go ask someone who knows more and mm -hmm. come back and say, hey, this is what I learned about this question you had. All that to say, if you feel unequipped, if you feel shy, it's okay. And the best thing you can do is your best and trusting the Lord to give you the words to say. He'll do that when it's time. I mean, I think there's been times in my life where I don't remember what I said in the moment that it was, it just flowed out of me because it was the Holy Spirit's prompting and not something I was making up in my head. It was completely the Lord. So he will do that if we ask him. We just got to be ready and open, open to those opportunities when they come up. And I'll say this too, if you're listening and you aren't a follower of Jesus, you're like, you know, all this mission stuff is foreign to me and I don't really understand it and I couldn't share about this with anybody because I don't understand it. You know, reach out to Heather and I on my website. I'll link it, always link it in the show notes, rosebooth.net. Go to the Ask Us Anything or to the Contact Us page and we would love to share with you what it means to follow Jesus our, in ourselves. Be happy to do that. So mm -hmm. we don't ever want to Assume that everybody listening follows Jesus. But if you are a follower of Jesus, the things that Heather just shared are really great tips on mm -hmm. how you can share the gospel and not be a, be afraid. So that comes back to our one single thought that we're all missionaries. And That's right. Just go out, be willing and ready when mm -hmm. the time comes. Okay, Rose, we're going to move on to our one random thought. So my one random thought today is the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You don't have a song? 
I don't have a song. I tried to think of a good song, but... Oh, I'm just disappointed. I know. Me too, but maybe oh, well. next episode. You know, I usually have a song, so I always try <laughs> to make it a song, but... You have a song in your heart. That's I do you have a song in my heart. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And finding songs. And... <laughs> So, my one random thought, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Lifeway Research did a poll, a survey with believers, and two in three, which is 66% of followers of Jesus, say they are at least open to having a conversation about the Christian faith with a friend. That's a big percentage. Mm. But, likewise, also two in three, or 66% of Christians, say they aren't familiar with any methods of telling others about Jesus. So it's depressing. It is sad. So they want to share, but they don't know how. And like I said earlier, the tips that Heather shared are great. And I think our church is really good. Like we have, we have a membership process where you go to first steps, which is mm -hmm. the first step of joining our church. Then we have next steps where you learn about how you can serve in the church and then the final class is not required it's called take the step and that's where they teach you how to evangelize or how to okay. share the gospel so i thought it was interesting that the same percentage that want to share mm. also feel like they aren't familiar with how to share i have two thoughts on that one is what does that say about churches mm. or evangelical mm -hmm. churches that they're people don't feel equipped to share the gospel when we are pushing missions so much yes and which gets back to my point that, or a point earlier that we're all missionaries yes. in our everyday lives. Mm -hmm. We should be ready. And but my other point is that we don't need to have necessarily a method of sharing the gospel other than understanding it and being willing to speak it to people, mm -hmm. especially to people that you're close to. So a friend, your friends and family and a lot of that's going to be dependent on your relationship with that person because people are receptive and some people aren't, but I don't think we necessarily, I think we make it into a, a formula you have to follow. And I think if we get so wrapped up in trying to memorize how to deliver the message in this formula, this form formulaic pattern or something mm -hmm. like that, that's when it can get really overwhelming. And we had to, when I was in seminary, I took a evangelism class and we had to memorize the evangelism explosion outline. Oh, Do you yeah. Remember that? I remember that. Which yes. we never used. I never used yes, it. Yes. I don't even remember the outline. I don't either. I was just sitting here thinking, what was the outline? I don't remember. But it, it was it, EE training. <laughs> yeah. And people have no, if they're not, some people may have no idea what we're talking about. But yeah. It was another Southern Baptist thing. Yeah. yeah. But it's. I think stuff like that will overwhelm people easily, but I think, like we were saying earlier, if you just cling to understanding what the gospel means, what it is, and just pray for opportunities, then you'll be ready. Just, you know, when you hear somebody's hurting, just like, well, you know, do you know about Jesus and what he can do for you? Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, let it, let the conversation, ask questions like the Colombo method, let those questions lead that conversation. Which we just got back into the topic now, but... Well, it's good because it that's relates good. to the one random thought. Yeah, so, no, good. I think that's good. So, Heather, what's our one Ricky thought today? Let's do a huge record scratch because this has nothing to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> Unless Ricky can be an evangelism... He can be an evangelist for uh, Greenies treats because he loves them so much. He's an evangelist for our podcast. Everybody loves Ricky. That is Ricky. true because everyone loves Ricky. Mm -hmm. Well, my one Ricky thought today is moving at the speed of light. <laughs> moving at the speed of light. <laughs> 
this actually happened right before I came over here tonight to record with you, mm. Rose. So this is a relatively fresh, fresh Ricky thought. Fresh Ricky thought. I was cleaning up in the kitchen and putting things away in the pantry, which has a door with a doorknob on it. It closes. Ricky likes to get in the pantry and mm -hmm. explore the bottom, the floor. He doesn't get up on the shelves, but he likes to walk around the bottom, on the floor in the pantry. And I was getting ready to leave, and I knew Ricky was sitting over near my dining room table. He wasn't near me. I'm putting something on the shelf in the pantry, and all of a sudden I hear this... <laughs> and I look down, and I don't see him. And I'm like, okay, I don't know where he is. <laughs> and I looked. I mean, this is all in the span of, like, one second. Uh -huh. I look in the pantry, and he's way in the corner, peeking around my cooler, looking at me. Oh, wow. <laughs> He's like zip, zip, zooming into and the pantry. I would have had no idea he was in there if I had not heard. Is <laughs> <laughs> that his little, maybe that was his purr to let you know. Where am I? Can you find me? <laughs> I don't, I think he does that when he knows he's getting away with something. <laughs> it was like he moved so fast, the speed of light, he moved from my dining table into the way into the corner of the pantry in like a blink. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I came very close to closing him in there and coming over here because I, I wouldn't have known if yeah. I had not heard his little um, announcement. That's crazy. Like, like speed, he did move at the speed of light. It like, was. It's, it's really funny. Cats and he's stealth because you can't really stealth. hear him when he's he very runs. quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Except when he's yeah. making his announcements like that. It's, yes. Yeah. He's, he's very strange. He's a cat. But... <laughs> All right. Now we are going to move on to our one single question. Let's wrap it up. So our one single question today is share a memorable or funny story from a mission trip, project, or outreach event. So Heather, what you got? When I was in college, a group of us went to Jamaica for a week uh, on a mission trip. It was with my Baptist Student Union. And we were there for a week. We worked with, I think it was a Christian school there or Baptist school we worked with. And we worked at an orphanage for a little while. Um, we did vacation Bible schools all in a course of a week. I think there was probably about 10 of us, 7 to 10 of us. I'm not exactly sure. So we had a van and we had a driver. I don't know if we hired him or if he worked for the school we were working with. But if you've ever been to a country like Jamaica anywhere overseas, the driving is pretty crazy. One thing that was funny was just watching our BSU director went with us and she was this very, very Southern white lady from Mississippi <laughs> sitting up front. And Mr. Reed, our driver, was this really sweet man. And he, he was driving like crazy and honking and we came so close, so we had so many close calls in traffic um, on, near wrecks and stuff. And he's just like, you know, no problem. It's fine, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so then one day we were going somewhere and I noticed out of the corner of my eye, I saw what looked like sparklers uh -huh. and I thought I imagined it. And so I just forgot about it, whatever. And so then like the next day, I saw it again and there it was a wire underneath one of the, the bench seats in the van had come loose and it was sparking 
inside the van inside the van oh wow i don't know if it was like from a speaker or what it was but it was Ooh, that's this wire shooting out flames (laughs) and the girl next to me is like um um (laughs) it's like the van's on fire and so we had to stop and they i don't remember if we got another van or what happened the mystery's like oh it's no problem everybody's fine We're going to die. He, he fit the stereotype of the Jamaica no problem. Oh, yes. No problem. Motto, but yeah, it was funny. But I mean, it was funny when we got home, when we were safe and not in the van that was on fire. <laughs> right. <laughs> what about you, Rose? Do you have a memory or a ministry or mission yes. project? Yes. So my memory is from an outreach event. Christy, one of my best friends, and I, we were with a group of singles that they asked us to go make visits. We would go visit like different people who had come and I don't even know that it was like single people. I think it was like an outreach event where we were given like mm. three or four names. You had to go make a visit. This has been a few years ago, but I think we had maybe three or four houses to go to. And it was a Saturday late morning and I kid you not, nobody was <laughs> home. But the funny thing was that Christy, every time we would go to the door, we would stand there and we would knock and, and then Christy goes, I know they're in there. And she would like <laughs> peek around. She goes, I see the curtain moving. They're in there. So we kind of well, knew that people were seeing us uh-huh. and they just didn't come to the door. I would never do that kind of thing now just because of the way the world is right now. Yeah. But I literally like Christy was poking her head in and wanting to say, they're there. I know they're there. And so we would we would knock more than once. And like she'd knock the second time and go, I know you're in there. I know you're in there. <laughs> it was comical but that was funny when i was at doing that trip in north dakota i got chased down the sidewalk by a robin oh my that was in the bush right next to the door i was knocking on oh that's i think it was a a satanic robin probably he probably knew what you were doing (laughs) yes but i'll never forget that day we got nothing like we had zero response we, I mean, and literally, I couldn't, I could not argue with her because, yes, a couple of those houses, we saw the curtains moving. Mm. We had a feeling people were in there, but they just weren't answering. Yeah. And in some ways, you know what? I can't blame them. They probably didn't know who we were. And, yeah. Although we looked like pretty harmless people, but. <laughs> probably thought yeah. you were Jehovah's Witnesses. Probably, yeah. yeah. Although we didn't have on the Jehovah Witness attire, yeah. but yeah. Well, on that note, don't let those experiences sour you to sharing Absolutely. the gospel either. And times have changed, but mm-hmm. you never know when a chance encounter, and everything's, there's no chance encounters, but divine appointments. divine appointments will happen. So, all right, that is our episode for today. And before we go, I just wanted to let you all know that I'm going to let you know two things. First of all, we're going to take an extra week in between now and the next episode because I will be traveling. But we also will be moving our release date from Tuesdays to Wednesdays because that gives me a little extra time to do editing in between recording on Mm -hmm. Saturday and um, getting that out on time. So hopefully that'll give us a little more um, consistency. And so we will be back with you on September 13th, which will be Wednesday. Yes. And so in between then and now, have a nice Labor Day. Yes. And until next time, don't follow your heart, follow God. We hope you've enjoyed One Single Thought. 
Our theme music is provided by Lindsay Cook, and we're so happy you joined us. Please be sure to share this episode with a friend, and don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. We'd love it if you'd rate and review our podcast so more people can find us and join our tribe of listeners. 